Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today, I am here with industry legend Melissa Nash, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the franchising side of our business. I know for many of us that have been around the industry for 15 plus years, remember kind of Collect America and them trying to franchise back in the day. But Melissa has studied what has failed in the past and put together a program that lives and works for the future. So how are you doing today, Melissa? I'm fantastic, Adam. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. It's another beautiful day here in sunny Florida. Oh man, it's gorgeous, right? Really can't complain this time of year. Um, for those of that are watching that maybe haven't had the opportunity to meet you at a conference like I have, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? You know, listen, I, I think that I just have a great entrepreneur story. Um, just grew up in the South Florida business marketplace and my background was construction and real estate. And so I managed an architectural firm for like 13 years. So handled everything but drawing lines, you know, HR office management, receivables, that kind of thing. And I learned pretty early to be very, you know, um, uh, Stephen Covey rules, you know, be, be proactive versus reactive. And, and we were very, um, forward with technology. Um, so, you know, we were one of the first ones to, to get into a, um, um, then it was we, when I started, we were on a DOS system for accounting, right? And so they were okay. doing a rewrite for Microsoft. And then all of a sudden they're going to come out with SQL. And so instead of writing on, on, uh, it started with an A. Instead of writing on this, they decided they're going to scrap everything. They're going to rewrite for SQL. And so, you know, always been on the forefront of technology, always been on the forefront of what to do. And just, we ran our office and we had zero cash flow issues. Um, kind of moved on from there a little bit and, and did my sales and marketing stint for a while. And, you know, real estate in Florida took a crash in, you know, 2007, 2008. And my friends were calling me. They go, Melissa, I can't get paid. What do I do? Melissa, I can't get paid. What do I do? And so, you know, in, in construction, you've got a claim of lien process. You've got some different things that you need to do. So I jumped in and started helping my friends. And the core name of our business is accounts receivable. Incorporated, and I was their outsourced bookkeeper, right? I wasn't even a licensed collection agency when I started. And then my friends call me and say, Melissa, we, we love you, but we don't have any money to pay you. And I go, would you give me a commission? And they go, yep. So lo and behold, I went and got my collection agency license. So, so my corporation is actually a little bit older than my collection agency license, but that's the why. We kind of grew into it. And so getting started, you know, we're, you know, we're working for plumbers. We're looking for, you know, electricians. We're working for the drywall guys and, and we're working for the people that are there. And then we, all of a sudden we landed homeowners associations and people not paying their HOA dues. And, and, and believe it or not, that really got us through the downturn because, you know, we use the money judgment side as opposed to the, foreclosure side. And we did very, very well through that cycle. Um, growing, 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 just trying to figure, you know, business out. What are you going to do? And so we onboarded some municipalities. We took on some government accounts and took on some larger portfolio accounts and we're growing. And, you know, next thing you know, you're adding credit bureau reporting, you know, because you don't start with credit bureau reporting day one, you add that, right? So you add credit bureau reporting and you add a letter vendor and you add, you add a phone person and you add a this and you add a this. And so as you're adding all of these things, somebody goes, okay, so give me your shredding policy. Give me your dispute policy. You know, give me this, you know, and it's kind of like, uh, 
Uh, oh, okay. You know, so, so you know, you're calling your friends in the industry going, uh, what's a credit dispute policy? I, I, we've never credit bureau reported before. I don't know. And they go, Oh, oh, you know, so you're learning everything from scratch from the beginning. And that's, you know, kind of how accounts receivable checkmark got started. You know, I always knock on wood when I say this and, you know, 16 years, we've never been sued 16 years. We've never had anything that's happened. And you know, listen, I'm going to say we're perfect. We all know that we're not perfect, but we try really, really hard to make sure we're doing all the right things the right way. We're dotting our I's, we're crossing our T's, and it's a slow, methodical process. But that's just kind of who we are. That's how we got started. Um, and, you know, here we are today. So our niche um, being in Palm Beach County, Florida is high balance, low volume. You know, it's nothing for me to have, you know, the, the, the wealth that's in this county, you know, it's nothing for us to get a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar account, you know, a single hundred thousand dollar account. Now doesn't mean I'm going to collect it in one day because the person who can, can have a hundred thousand dollar debt isn't the kind of person who's easy to just say, you know, Hey, pick up your phone and pay this, you know? Um, and, <laughs> We don't use dialers to call that individual. You know, I mean, you call that, that you call that person on a dialer, they're going to hang up on you. You know, they're, they're not going to hand that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of our work has always been handwork, um, based upon what we have to do, but you know, excited that as we grow into government and we grow into other portfolios. So we kind of have, you know, a little bit of two sides of our agency and it, it, it's fun to kind of grow and, and to kind of look at what our friends do and kind of, and, and look at what we do. I think that's a, a very interesting approach. I'm very familiar with Palm Beach County, having gone to college there and lived there for many years yeah. through my careers with Credit Max and Sterling Capital Management, either in West Palm or Wellington. And it is a very unique area. Um, your focal point there, one, I, I definitely remember the real estate crash in 2007 because I had a real estate license and a mortgage broker's license in the state of Florida at the time. Um, and everything changed. So you guys moving into the HOA side of collections, I mean, what a serendipitous move. Um, and with such incredible timing because you couldn't even buy and sell real estate in South Florida unless the HOA was clear and half of the HOAs were underwater. So you couldn't buy or sell a condo in those communities unless you were going cash. And it was a very unique time in the history of real estate in general, but specifically South Florida got hit very hard in that time period. And then you found a new wave in availability of new cash flows and business opportunities that came out of um, the difficulties uh, that people were having. So it sounds to me like you're a problem solver. Your friends called you with a problem, you figured out how to solve it. And I feel like my whole career has been built on just solving problems. But you know, Adam, the whole thing is, is, is what we, what you want to talk about is how do you find the win-win, right? So even mm-hmm. with collections, even with the hundred thousand dollar file, even with what you have, how do you find the win-win? How do you tell somebody, listen, you're, you're, I, I'm going to tell you, you're going to pay this bill, but you're going to pay this bill. And my client's going to get paid and we can figure this thing out. Let's, let's just get to the win-win. And so we kind of try to approach it with that sales approach, kind of approach it with that, you know, that idea of, of, of resolution and getting to the other side. Um, you know, and then at the same time, it was a very scary period of time. You know, there were people mm-hmm. that didn't know where's, where are my children going to sleep tomorrow? You know, how am I going to, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to do this if I'm in mortgage foreclosure? How's this going to happen? And so, you know, a lot of those circumstances were the opportunity was there to educate the consumer in regard to, you know, and I'm not an attorney, so I couldn't give legal advice. And I always said that right up front, you know, but this is what this means. This is what this means. Let me give you some options. 
You don't have to believe me. Call your attorney. See if I'm telling you the truth. And then you call me back tomorrow and let's make a deal. You know, and, and that's always the way I, and that's always the way I approached it, you know, and, and it worked, you know, it worked for our clients, our, our clients, the homeowners associations got paid and they got their money and the banks did what the banks did. I didn't work for the banks. I worked for the homeowners association and my job was to get them paid. And that's what we did, you know? So it was a, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. Well, and now you've, you've taken what you've learned, you've, created, uh, let's say, a systematic way of approaching each individual account. And now you've packaged that in a way in which you can make that business itself transferable to others through a franchising operation. So talk to me a little bit about what franchising means for Checkmark. You know, so I, you know, I kind of want to tell you how it got started because, you know, it's kind of out of the, out of, you know, what is it? The mother, the mother of necessity, what there's something that's in there, right? The mother of invention is necessity. There you go. So, you know, so here I am and, you know, it's, it, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, I'm somewhere between like 2012 and 2016 and, you know, we're adding this and we're adding this and we're adding this and we're adding this and we're adding all of these different tools and features. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, and I'm studying ACA. And at the time, you know, there were, you know, I'm going to say, you know, 70, almost 80% of the agencies were, you know, obviously we've had a lot of M&A lately. Um, but at that time, you know, 80% of the agencies were 24 employees or fewer. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way 2,000 individual ACA member clients, not, not all the other ones, just ACA, by hand wrote a shredding policy, by hand created this policy, this policy, this policy, this policy. Somewhere this this has to exist. And and you know, everyone's like, oh well, I'll give you one, but don't tell anybody. And oh yeah, well, I'll give you one, don't tell. I mean, my friends in the industry were fabulous, and we all know that we're there to help each other succeed. But I'm like, there's gotta be a business in a box. So the seed was planted that there's no way that all these entrepreneurs are going to do it. On the flip side, you know, the number one complaint that you hear about a collection agency is um, that they don't communicate with you. Right. So number one thing. And, and so we drive that in our office Our, you know, we make two promises to our clients that we'll communicate and we'll do everything that we're legally allowed to do to collect the debt. So, you know, our phone would ring and say, you know, I, I, you know, I've called like five clients, you know, and I've got one file that's five thousand dollars where you collect it. And I go, yep. They go, oh, nobody else will do it. Nobody else will do it. So what I found is there is a space. And when you study the model, I wasn't the only one who's the local person who collects local debt. Okay. And I don't mind taking one file. I don't mind taking three files a month. I don't mind taking these files. And if you study the entrepreneurs across the country, they don't mind doing it either. So there's a time, there's a place for our big guys. There's a place for our medium sized guys and there's a place for our small guys. So what we've seen is Reg F came in, regulations coming in, COVID hits, all these things are happening. And one of the things about my core, if you study is I started in my bedroom. I started as a home-based business. Remember, I was a bookkeeper, right? I started doing that. And so as my business morphed, um, I'm very proud of the fact that I made Inc. Magazine before I was 40 for one of 11 businesses you can start in your pajamas. And they loved the fact that they referred to me as a recession buster and that the core of my business was to help on other entrepreneurs stay in business. Okay. And so I created a business model, helping other people stay in business during recession. I could do it in my bedroom in my pajamas. And so COVID 
once again made it okay to be a home-based business. Now we all know when you go to do credit bureau reporting, oh, are you a home-based business? No, 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 can't do this. You know, are you this? No, 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 can't do that, right? So COVID kind mm-hmm. of changed some of the rules a little bit. The seeds were already there um, to kind of to, to change this. And I just decided to jump in with both feet. Um, it's time to go back to building small business America. Um, you know, we talk about the great resign. We talk about the great resignation. We talk about people, you know, deciding, hey, I'm going to work for myself. Hey, I'm going to do this. So I decided, let me take all of the redundant pieces that we do. Let's take the sales and marketing. Let's take the branding. Let's take a base contract. Let's take a base compliance manual. Let's take a base. How do you enter a new account? How do you post payments for a new account? How do you do this? I mean, because this is, this is so redundant. Of course, you can change it based upon your business model, your industry, but let's take this, put it in a box and let's join together in a singular network. Um, and let me sell you the businesses of the box as part of the franchise model. But now let me tell you the two really great sides of this. Licensing is always the number one question, right? Well, what about licensing? Well, I'm my own corporation. You are your own corporation. You are your own corporation. You are your own corporation. So we can change our agreements that say to our clients, hey, I'm part of a checkmark network. And if a consumer is in another state, I'm going to refer it inside of my checkmark network. Now, we all know that we have referral agreements and we have clients that don't have referral agreements, right? So we built that into our core model. And 90% of the time when we small agencies say, hey, listen, I'm not licensed in all 50 states, but let me tell you that part of a network that is. And so through our network, I can handle 100% of your business, if you, but you place everything with me. How perfect is that? So now okay. these agencies don't have to. Now, I'm not saying you can't go get licensed in two, three, four states because we checkmark my agency. We're in 39 states. Okay. So we're almost there. Um, we don't have everything. And, and but but we do have, you know, in our 16 years, we've gotten to 39 states. So that's kind of where we are. Um, now talk about industry. Right. So let's say that somebody calls and say, hey, I'm medical. Hey, I'm transportation. Hey, I'm utility. So now you can take all of these entrepreneurs that are across the country. I don't have to be all things to all people. The checkmark brand can service the location and the checkmark brand can service the industry type. And my job now is to just grow entrepreneurs, people who want to be dedicated in the space, people who are fine with the regulation. Listen, the number one question I ask somebody is, are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? So Adam, which one are you? I'm a rule creator. You know, I kind of like that. So let me send you to the CFPB and we're going to get you to make sure that we're taken care of, you know. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of the core, you know, that's kind of the core idea. And um, so you think about, you know, even if you've got an agency today. So you have an agency today, you still have to deal with marketing, you still have to deal with, you know, the compliance pieces, you still have to, you know, how many of us paid an attorney to review the same model validation notice letter? Oh, yeah. Paid in full letters? How about a payment plan? I mean, every aspect of your compliance that's being audited is being audited multiple times, and it's being audited by your clients as well. And so this whole world of uh, of compliance and, and running a collections business is a lot of repetitive steps. I mean, a ton of repetitive. There's no question to so it. So as a as a business owner, when I can take that and I can say and, and and the savings goes right to the bottom line. 
right? The savings sure. goes right to the bottom line. So now as our brand is growing, um, imagine our buying power, you know, imagine, you know, and I'm not forcing an, an entrepreneur to say, you have to use this vendor. And we have a preferred vendor list. You know, we want to make sure mm-hmm. that they're qualified and they're whatever. So it's, that's bulk buying opportunity, Absolutely. right? So you're saying that, hey, you're going to go in, we need to buy phone minutes, we're going to buy them in bulk. You need to buy yeah. this, we're going to buy in bulk. Yeah. Or we and so now now you imagine there's 20 yeah. of us talking to a vendor. They're like, oh yeah, man, you're in a completely different level now. you know. And so how does that allow us, the small agency, to now be in the in the realm of competing with the medium and si- big size agencies when the clients are saying, cut your fees, the clients are saying, do whatever, and you're driving down those margins. So now those margins can come back to our profit. Those margins can come back to our bottom mm-hmm. line. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I like the approach that you're taking there in consolidating those efforts and putting it. Um, licensing was my biggest question. Um, you know, how, how do you then go about managing it? But it makes sense. I mean, as I've talked and worked with licensing companies, as I've talked and worked with debt buyers, agencies, law firms, etc., um, I found that you don't necessarily need to be licensed everywhere, depending on the volumes that you're taking right. in and how you're ultimately managing those accounts. Because you, if you're if you're going to pull you know twenty dollars in collections out of the state of Wyoming, do you need to spend the time and energy to do that? But I also understand from a big agency standpoint, you got a big bank coming in, and there's certain requirements. And so I think that there is a place for everybody in the space because there's no shortage of accounts to collect. And although I think we saw volumes contract significantly during COVID because of the free money that the government was giving out, and I know that that had a direct effect on it. I've looked at the math, but you know, as that as that volume started to contract, um, I it became, a, you know, we started working deeper on each individual account that we had. And now we've refined our expertise on this smaller volume of accounts. And now what we're seeing is, God forbid, we see like a Carvana or a um, CarMax go under, drop 400,000 units into the marketplace to press auto prices. And then you're going to start to see the beginning of what we know is coming. But now we've kind of perfected our businesses to a point in which we've been so concentrated on individual account level that as that volume starts to grow, our systems, technology, and other things that we have in place are going to enable us to keep, I think, the economy somewhat stable through the ability to collect. Because why lend money if you can't collect it? You know, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you the, the little gem that I'm sitting on that, that, you know, a lot of people aren't really hitting on. Um, the merger and acquisition is going to be phenomenal for the age, the small agencies that stay because the, 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 the little fish are going to get gobbled into the big agencies. They're not going to get the care that they used to get. They're not going to get the handholding that they used to get. And the big agencies just can't do that. But, but, but a smaller agency like ours absolutely can. You can get my FaceTime every month. You can get a phone call with me every month. But that's not going to happen. So we're going to see, you know, the, the, these agencies that bought some of the smaller portfolios and they bought some of the, you know, the, the local debt, they're going to go out looking for new, they're going to go out looking for new agencies. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm making sure that, you know, our SEO is there and, you know, and I know that you're, you're right there with it, right? You know, you want to make sure that when somebody Googles debt collection, you want to pop up, you know, whether it's paid or organic, you want to be there. And that's exactly where I am, you know, because let me tell you, these entrepreneurs are feeling it. You know, I love, you know, you, uh, you probably know this, but what's the biggest hit for, um, for searching for debt collection? Do you know? Do you have you ever studied the win? Uh, for which? For in, in all of them, um, we get searched more on Thursdays than any other day of the week. 
Oh, you talk about uh, the timing of it. Yeah, Thursdays, um, and then I can actually see the time of days yeah. and concentration. And and and, and, my, and, my, and my reason, do you know what my reason is? They got to make payroll the next day and they can't get paid. You know, there are some owners having to stroke payroll out of his pocket or, or cash flow is tight and payroll's on mm-hmm. Friday and, and a bookkeeper's coming in. She's like, what are you talking about? Go hire a debt collector right now because I need my money. I get, I, I actually save Thursdays for my inbound calls. Oh, wow. Okay. Fair you know, and, you know, believe it or not, you know, and remember, I'm going to get somebody's going to say, Hey, I got one person who owes me money. Right. And, and mm-hmm. some of, some of the people watching are be like, yeah, that's not for me, but the concept still exists. Right. Um, so make sure that, you know, you're communicating your pain. There's nothing better than a Thursday sales call because that's when your client's in a lot of pain. Interesting. I like that. It's, you know, payroll's due tomorrow. Like I definitely see the the challenges that come there. It sounds like you got that you've done uh, an incredible job of kind of trying to find ways to perfect the small agency, being able to handhold those that don't have the volume of accounts and provide an explanation as to what that process looks like, because I'm sure managing expectations of the smaller clients is a big part of your your time. It's a huge part of it. And so, you know, Adam, the other thing is, is remember I've written two books and first party is a huge part of our agency as well as third party. Um, and you'd be surprised how many agencies and, and we will take over as early as day one. So you drop your invoices and I can start taking over from there. We log right mm-hmm. into our clients' books. We log, you know, right into, you know, we do everything remote right through their systems and you know, I always, I always preach on uh, first party, I always preach ROI. Do you know what ROI is? Return on investment. No, it's receipt of invoice. The number one reason a client doesn't pay a bill is they didn't get it. The number two reason they didn't pay it is they have a question. We make our first call on day seven. And the call says, hey, Adam, this is Melissa. I'm calling on behalf of Checkmark. Listen, I just want to make sure you got my invoice. It's approved and it's in line for payment. You know, now that you say that, that's exactly the process I follow. I send out automated invoices on a monthly basis to my client base. And uh, at day one, past due, I immediately Past due? No, 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 not even past due. Day seven. Not past due. Day seven. You're asking, did you receive it? Did you get it? Is it approved? Is it in line for payment? You know, and the reality is in most cases, it's a bookkeeper to bookkeeper call, right? It's not an owner to an owner. It's bookkeeper to bookkeeper. And that's how we approach it. Hey, I'm going to call your accounts payable department. Hey, it's Melissa. How are you? Did you get it? And, And if you make friends with that person, um, then they're going to say, you know, Adam didn't approve this invoice. Be like, oh, can you tell me why? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to have him call you. Now, if there's an issue with that invoice, don't you want to know on day seven that there's an issue with the invoice? Right. You know? And so the other thing, no, I you know, go that. study my book and I'm going to tell you, the other thing I'm going to tell you is that the, the least, usually the least paid person is the, is the brand new accounts payable person who's got a code and key, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in my, in my world at that time, they're making 12 to $14 an hour. Now they're probably somewhere between 15 and 20, but in the realm of an accounting office, they're typically one of the lowest paid clerk positions in the office. True. She's also the most powerful person to help you get paid. paid, She, and I'm going to use the word she, it could be a he, okay? But that person is the most Mm. powerful person to make sure you get paid. Even in third-party debt collection, 
And third-party debt collection, if you're dealing with commercial accounts, which we get some of, okay, we're not just consumer, you got to get to that bookkeeper. Now, based upon whatever's happened in that person's life, she's mad at the company that you're trying to collect for. They've called and called and called. They've aggravated her to death. Oh no, I'm sending her cookies. Oh no, I'm going to send her flowers. I'm going to sweet talk her. What's going on with the file? What happened with this? You know, how do you think you collect a hundred thousand dollar account? Well, you got to make friends with the girl on the other side or you're not going to get the truth. You know, fair enough. And what an interesting approach. I'm going to have to go and take a look at these books when I, yeah, I'll send them, I'll send them to you. I'll send them to you. That'd be awesome. Greatly appreciated. Well, Melissa, I really appreciate you coming on and having a chat with me today. This was a very interesting conversation and I look forward to the opportunity for a follow-up discussion. Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. For those of you that are watching, if you have additional questions that you'd like to ask Melissa or I, you can leave those in the comments here on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll be happy to answer any questions. If you have additional topics that you'd like to see us cover, you can leave those in the comments below as well. And we'll be happy to continue creating great content for a great industry. But until next time, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on, having this chat with me today. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you again soon.